Hi, Honeymooners. Natasha and I are coming to a city near you. And we'd love you to come see us and support us doing live stand-up comedy. As for me, I'm going to be going to the Comedy Club on State in Madison this very weekend for five shows. I love that club. I'd love to see you there. I'll also be at the Troubadour for the Netflix is a Joke Festival on May the 12th. That's just one night, one show, just me. But Natasha and I are going to be doing a live Endless Honeymoon podcast taping for the Netflix is a Joke Festival on the 4th of May. Then I'm going to the Punchline in Philadelphia. That's in July. Would love to see you there. I'm going to be going to the Punchline in Sacramento in August. And I'll be going to the DC Improv uh, the weekend before the election, before we figure out what hell we hath wrought. Come see me at any of those dates. Oh, yeah, one more. I'll be at the Bell House in New York on July the 11th. I'd love to see you there, New York City. Natasha, you got anything? Why don't you come see me in Brea? If you live in Orange County, I think that's Orange County. I don't even know, but come to Brea. I'll be there in April. I'll also be at the Chicago Improv in April. And if you can't see me in Chicago, why don't you come to Tempe in May? Tempe, Arizona. I'll also be in Boston, but that's not till October. I think I might take the summer off. Go to NatashaLegero.com. Or MosheCasher.com. And get some tickets. To see the both of us. And also make sure that you come to our Patreon-supported Dinner party this Sunday. That is on St. Patrick's Day. What else are you doing? It is a dumb holiday. I'm sorry. If you are not yet a member of the tier that gets you into the dinner parties, go ahead and upgrade. Upgrade that. You could downgrade afterwards. I mean, we don't have real rules. Order your corned beef and cabbage from the local pub. DoorDash that shit to your house. Yep. Log on. 6 p.m. Come mess with us. It's a really great way. Pacific. To connect to the community of the Endless Honeymoon Podcast and also to connect to your lovely hosts. Uh, Jehovah, do you think that was his real name? Let's start there. (laughs) Come on, Moshe. Give the guy a break. Jesus didn't go by Jehovah. No, his dad. Oh, his name is I Am. It's the same as yours. No, that's Moshe. Moshe is from the water. No, no, no. It's the same as yours. I, your oh, last our God is an awesome God. No, no, no. <laughs> is that what? I'm saying you refer to yourself as I, and that same I am is the God of Israel. Natasha, let me on... let me go explain this to you. Uh, <laughs> we're actually that's funny you say that because we are currently uh, we just got we have a foster dog and we're trying. To, it's a German Shepherd. Yeah, good, and, good. And it, you know, those are famous uh, Jew, but, Jew butt biters. Do you know about Jew that? butt biters? Wait, they, they invented, butt the bites of the... They, they were invented... bite the butts of the Jews? They were invented specifically to bite the butts of Jews. Hell no. And You're that's, making that that's up, That's breed Moshe. history. Did anybody else Google it before the show? Uh, strangely, I did. So, oh, you did? Okay. <laughs> so you might like, be able to call me out on that. Do German shepherds bite butts? So I've been trying to do like a reclamation thing. Here's like, what is this yes. voice? Here's what you need to know. Here's, here's what you here's, need to know about the German shepherd breed. It's uh-huh. like foghorn. Oh, I, so anyway, I wanted to name the dog something Jewy. I was going to name it a, a partisan. You know the partisans in World War II, the, the people that like ran to the woods to fight the Nazis after they took over like Poland and Czechoslovakia and stuff. Do you know mm. about this? Anyway, I thought it'd be cool to name the dog a, a partisan name, but Natasha has a bias against uh, too much Semitism in the I name. Just I have a bias against you explaining the clever reason why you named your dog Efrov or whatever it's going to be. Efrov? Like Efrov? all the names he's pitching is Isn't just like, what? C++? I know. I'm, I'm fluent in Efrov, C++, Linux. Now, Pete, you had a great bit once about Tom Petty in the internet. Remember that one? Wow. Remember that old chestnut? It's like, 
We've known you forever. And that's I how just want to take a moment. That's how you I want to take wife. a moment that I've, I really do feel gratitude that I've been doing comedy so long that you referencing a bit of mine from so long ago that I'm insulted. Like well, that, because it, it's that's like a privilege. Enough. I'm like, wow, how did I get to this place? I it had, used to be like, you know a bit of mine? And now I'm like, that's old. I mean, I, it, it shows affection. It that's, shows no, I'm, no, the, I I'm deep in the, in the, I'm in the crates. You, you think I don't have all your uh, specials on vinyl? I have them all, and I listen to them all to get ready for my own sets. And that's why I never feel inferior <laughs> to you when you're on stage is because I'm listening to you on the way so to the club familiar. to get myself hyped up. Yeah, yeah, yeah I have yeah, a yeah, question yeah. for you, Pete, because you're a thoughtful guy. And you're also, you know, highly successful. How important is posterity to you? Mm, this is a good question. What do you mean? In what, in what context? Like, like your, like the, your, your booty. Oh. No, no. <laughs> how that a German Shepherd wouldn't bite. Yeah, that's right. Go, Goy. Yeah, it smells good. Yeah, ham, yeah. ham. How important is it for you, for you Wait, to do like... Wait, the Goy booty smell like ham? Yeah. yeah Gentile yeah, yeah. butts smell like pork product. Every, that's, we no, all know this. I, knew, I just didn't know you knew that. That's actually, well, no, of course we know yeah, it. Yeah. We have the big noses, then we were able to smell them. What can I yes and? It's hard to say. <laughs> what can I yes and? It's hard to say. Are you You're one tuned of those people? Landmine. Are you one of those people, Pete, who you like? Are, is it really important to you that they're like your you live on after you die? Good, Zero. Okay. Yeah, that's the right Zero. answer. <laughs> well, I just have some comedian Zero. friends who are really into like how many specials they have Zero. and like they're you know. We had a friend once who will tell you off the air who it is. This person said. If I died right now, I would be remembered like Mitch Hedberg. It's like, what a strange thought and specific, too. I appreciate the honesty, I, meaning to get that unfiltered of a look at an ego is uh, rare. And I feel like I just saw like a pelican or something. If, if, you died, <laughs> if you died right now, who would you be remembered like? What if I said Bill Cosby? <laughs> <laughs> The I legacy. didn't. These the days legacy. you can get away with a lot if you say, what if I said... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what if I told you my least favorite race? That is so funny. Um, like you did off mic? Yeah, like I, yeah, like we discussed. <laughs> let, me, let me just tell you, uh, uh, the butt smells a little porky, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Oh, just regular honks. Yeah, it's a... Yeah, Good it's choice. Got, it's going to be a honk. Honks. Regular old honks. No, it is funny, actually, <laughs> as comedy has progressed, that um, the... the I, I find it funny, the... Eth I, I, this is an observation you might think is interesting. That you're no longer uh, allowed to make fun of an ethnicity, but it's, some are still in. Like you can make like fun of Russians. Russians, white, like exotic or whites. Kind exotic of. whites, not Armenians. Definitely not. Okay, definitely can you not. take that out? Nope, that stays in. <laughs> so exotic. We were whites, talking about the quarters of Israel, which is why it's on your mind. <laughs> Thank you. Russians. Uh, Finnish people you can still almost get away with Italians kind no one's of. making fun of Finnish people but this Moshe. is an observation I had recently I'm seeing a lot of female comics a lot lately making fun of short kings short men that they're dating kings? It, well, it's a, they it's call a, it a short, a short king. king is like a short man I, oh, got, okay. I got me a short king and I was thinking oh that's interesting like Probably this is a popular topic in comedy right now because that's still somewhat, and I would say it only has five <laughs> years left. It's still a group that you're allowed to make fun of. That's shorts. not a race, though, honey. I know. I'm saying we've got we've we're 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 done with race. Racism has been exposed as a cancer. And in we're our society. also kind of done with celebrities too. We're done with ableism too. In general, you can't. We don't make fun of 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 fat people. That's that is not an acceptable thing. But short men somehow, short men, we're still that's an we're an no, acceptable I know you bigotry. Mean, but comedy is always going to be in the trade of what is just about to be out yeah yeah yeah. like i've had a theory that borat in i i don't know how many years it could be five years but there's going to be a time 
when we're like, why was that ever okay? How did we watch that? But that's Borat? actually why it was exciting and interesting. Yeah. And and artistically valid. Because that's our trade. You come into our weird, dark Indiana Jones alleys mm -hmm. and you go, I've spent a lot of time thinking about what is the closest to the over the line I can delight you with. Have you watched, speaking of which, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom recently? T.O.D.? Yeah, T.O.D. TBA, man. I don't know. I, I don't like that movie. Uh, I never it, did. Uh, well, good for you. That's the professional wrestling of the Indiana Jones It's definitely, officially unacceptably racist yeah. it's way i would say short round way over the line oh short round is the most progressive part of that film oh really short round is a hero to many well i would say the cuisine thought, the cuisine at the temple of doom certainly suggests a bit of a, a racial insensitivity let's say that. sure and i uh, i grew up in the 80s so i remember a time when uh it it just there was the illusion of it's the majority of the whites being like monkey brains, and that was totally normal. We call that the eighties. Doesn't mean it was right. Natasha, you wanted to know about longevity. Am I sitting in the right place? You're perfect. Is this bothering you? Because you have big knee. You have long oh no no no! Don't don't move it. I'm afraid you'll unlock a curse. You got you got the big knee. <laughs> what Natasha? What do you? How about you? From do the you, table. Do you care about longevity and posterity? No, I'm just saying. Like sometimes once you have a kid, like you're just kind of like no, I, care about yeah, I care about her. I care about her. I care about her. Like you know, having kids and me being there and like, you know, whatever that is, but I don't care about my own genetic posterity legend. Do you ever think about, the but I think I used to obsess about it, but I don't anymore. I think a lot of the greats do. I think Paul Thomas Anderson is my favorite filmmaker. He's wondering how he'll be remembered. And I'm glad he is. Right. That just doesn't serve me at all. It's all gone. Do you think Woody Allen's wondering how he'll be? <laughs> What's the latest news? <laughs> Sunyi, could you Google and name Sunyi. search me? <laughs> hey Sunyi, he changed his phone to Sunyi. <laughs> Do you think Woody Allen has a Google alert set on his name? No. No. To see if things have died down a bit. Of course not. <laughs> like an eBay alert? Yeah. Yeah. Let, let me know if if they mention my films, it's a good zone. It goes. Let, give me an alert if Woody Allen and the term "cool down" <laughs> back in business. Like if those things all come together, we're in the Woody Allen cool down phase right now. I feel. I feel like the news cycle is so intense that people aren't talking about Woody Allen at all. And so maybe this is a good time for him to launch a comeback. Yeah, especially as a Jew. Yeah, that's problematic. Maybe you should think about it a little more. <laughs> I'll think about it some more. But back to what you were saying before, Moshe started talking about Indiana Jones. Um, I do think it's cool, like that comedians like you do enter these dark caves almost and go you see someone on stage saying anything they want i mean yeah. obviously that's scary too but that is what makes it like this really unique art form totally. and it's you're right we all are always dancing on the edge and you know how do we just make sure that we're not a part of what's holding anyone back as a oh as totally a, you know I, sorry i didn't mean to cut you off i was just so excited to you know agree. like when we used to say the f word for gay people all the time on stage and it's like then i slowly was noticing like oh this is like not going to help anyone's yeah. cause. And then I think everyone stopped doing it and then gay marriage was able to be passed. I mean, I'm right. not saying that because right. comedians stopped saying it, but, no, but everyone kind of was aware. The comedians are a barometer that yeah. you can measure certain things by. Yeah, no, I, I think human beings uh, want, a lot of what we want is what we don't know we want. And we actually want, sometimes we want things that we don't want or we would say we don't want. This sounds like, it does sound like Bill Cosby. Just, to, <laughs> like, just this speech. Well, it's funny that you say that because... Like BDSM, I think, is in, similar to art in a lot of ways, meaning like sometimes what you want, 
What I'm saying, let, let's put it in a safer way, because I don't know much about BDSM. I'm saying like, when you watch a movie, a modern movie, and it ticks all the boxes, it was stars, it was beautiful, there was special effects, and you leave and, you, and your dick is inside your body. That's mm -hmm. how unhard you are. It's <laughs> just like you're anti-erect. It just didn't move you. It's because it didn't take any risks. It didn't. Mm. You want I something. I see a movie you, that should be good but isn't. But that's so many movies. You yeah. go like that was everything we want. But like, think about great sex you've had. I'm not talking about anything weird. I'm talking about human beings are very interested in the novel. We're very interested in the dangerous. And I was just making this point earlier. It's like when you look at a comedian, or you look at a performance artist, or you look at a strange film that really was like, I didn't know I wanted that. Phantom Thread comes to mind. I don't. I didn't know I wanted a movie about a dressmaker in London. You were rock well, hard during good. Phantom Thread. That, that really no, I did loved it. Speak to me too. Yeah, because it did but take we, those risks. Nobody was going. Let's do a reboot of Phantom Thread. You know what I mean? That was just. A, that was like a dream. Mm -hmm. So that's my point. Is art isn't a new thing, and I don't just mean making art. I mean it's it's the manifestation or it's the extension of what our the human psyche which is just a Latin word that means soul, the human being. I know that. We both know that. Shut up. We know Latin Shut really well. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'm so sorry, but I just want you to know I know Latin. Go ahead. Every night to process the absurdity of being a separate being on a space rock in outer space and, and, and thinking about your father and your mom and the, your best friend and the matter, you go to bed and your, your brain should do nothing, but instead to help you process life creates dreams. And dreams are mythic. We all have similar dreams. There's, there's overlaps in our dreams. And they help us. So we're doing this like defragging. So art can, in its purest form, take a lesson from our subconscious and go, I'm going to do something fucking weird. I, I don't mean we all have to be David Lynch, but a comedian can go like, what I try to do with my comedy isn't, hi, here's how I'd like you to think of me. And I think that's a lot of comedy. And it's comedy that makes me not happy. It's like, think about me this way. I won. Guess what? I got the last word. Now I'm driving the bus. Eat <laughs> shit. You know what I mean? DeRosa's a nice guy. <laughs> uh, I didn't go, ah, now I'm driving the bus. But like, you take a note. Your, your dreams are humiliating you. They're shocking you. They're offending you. You have offensive dreams. I have dreams where I'm kicking the shit out of family members. What the fuck was that? I needed it. Some, some intelligence was like, he needs to grapple with his capacity for violence. This is why our kids are watching Ninja Turtles, by the way. Do the Ninja Turtles give my daughter violent images or are they reflections of the violent images that she's being fed by her unconscious? I would say it's the, it's the latter. It might be both, but it's probably, it's definitely the latter. So she's curious about her propensity to, for violence and she wants to see that in a safe way. And that's what art should do. Now, I happen to love Marvel movies and stuff, so I'm not shitting on them. But a lot of times you, you can watch a bad one and you're like, oh, you, you, that was just fan fiction. You, oh, and then Boba Fett comes by and says like, the 80s was the best decade and he plays Pac-Man. And you leave and, and you're not stirred because it wasn't metaphorical, it wasn't mythic, it wasn't iconic, it wasn't timeless. So do, do, did, And it wasn't dangerous. Are, are you suggesting, Pete, Peter, are you <laughs> I suggesting? I can tell you're doing a bit. No, this isn't a bit. I'm, I'm really curious because I think about what, you're saying a lot and I, I don't necessarily respond to it. Like, I think that the value of the comedian can be what you're saying 
it can be this like you know what what were you saying regurgitating back people's like sort of archetypal desires and uh, you yeah, know yeah food like, is great sex is great or it can be it can be totally abstract and silly or it can be thought provoking or it can be ridiculous and its actual function this is what the, the argument I kind of make in the new book is its actual function is just a really baseline one which is just to make people laugh and then that has value intrinsic value it doesn't hey. and and, and a philosophical comedy is very valuable and silly comedy where you're, you're just like sitting on jackass. It all has the same inherent value, which is just people need need that release. I hear that. I really do. And I would say that even I was watching Brian Regan's new special or you watch jackass or you watch somebody who's not doing anything wacky. It is wacky. People say like my new hour, they're like, I like that it's not dark. And I'm like, I'm talking about death for about 80% of it. <laughs> like, watch it again. Yeah. and But don't watch it again. Because every single thing I'm doing, every face I'm making, down to the clothes I'm wearing, to, to where I'm standing, every gesture, is to delight them. Is absolutely to co-create a space where we can be safe and joyful. Well, you're very silly on stage, too. Very silly. So I'm not really doing too many deep things. Every once in a while, I'll do a deep bit. But I think the message comes through either way. Meaning jackass, can you fucking think of something sure, that helps us go like, right. this is insane. We're, we're flowers growing in between the cracks of the concrete in Times Square. We're so fragile. And these guys go, let's fucking give the middle finger to the Grim Reaper. Nobody, it's fun to watch someone get kicked in the balls, but it's also just fun to acknowledge our fragility. Sure. Now I'm ruining it by talking about it too much, but I, I, I can watch almost anything no, and I, go I, like, I, I see how this is ministering to us. Natasha? Um, well, I just wanted to say that it is a miracle that anything good is happening or any art exists, especially on TV where everything's noted by non-creative people. So it's like... You're in these positions where you're trying to make art and then you have people who only care about bottom line giving you like creative notes. Well, so how does anything good exist? So that's why the comedian, like we don't really get notes, which is kind of cool. Isn't that wild? Even all the way Nobody up to- Nobody even says, what do you talk about? Yeah. <laughs> Nobody said, Netflix goes, you have a special. Nobody went, can we see the tape? Yeah. I mean, I think I'm maybe sure they saw a tape they at might some point. See, but- yeah. I mean, just like go go do it, and that's one of the reasons why it's a great American art form. I think that's right, Natasha, and that's really interesting. Even all the way up to Deflix, it's still even if they're like, "Can we see the general thing?" No, they're not coming to you and saying, "Cut this bit." I think they used to do that in like, like the Tonight Show, but that's some very much more commodified version of what stand up sure. is. The special is kind of the final, the final unnoted piece of, uh, for better or for worse, piece of entertainment. But like what you're talking about with Jackass. I see what you're saying, but that's more like you ever watch that documentary uh, about um, about The Shining? It's like Room yeah. Two Eighteen, and it's like it's Room Two Three Seven. Well, yeah, that it's like because the moon is two hundred thirty seven hundred. Well, exactly, miles. and the is premise. That why? Well, that could be why. The premise of this whole documentary is if you look is at something. Is that where he yells at Shelley Long or Shelley no, Duvall? No, that's something like, else. Okay, this is after the fact. That of was all Christian these, Bale. All these these uh, uh, shining fans seeing metaphors and uh, and and narratives in there that they've decided Stanley Kubrick put in there, whether or not they're real, doesn't really matter. The mm. point I think of the documentary is if you stare at something hard enough, you can find a narrative that's in For there. Sure. I I I like your. I think you're right. That's what art criticism is in a way: is that you look at a painting and then a thousand people decide what thing it what yeah. thing it was and what it represented. And in a way, I think you're right. The jackass is this like beautiful metaphor about like putting a middle finger to our own 
human fragility. But I don't think they thought that when they were of making course it. Not. They were just farting into a box. I completely agree. Here's the beautiful... Well, one thing came to mind. Ben Gibbard uh, from Death Cab did my podcast, and he, I was like... For Cutie? Mm-hmm. Okay. I go, what do you do when someone says, I love that song you wrote about a boat, and then someone else says about the same song, I love that song you wrote about divorce? Do you correct them? And he goes, no. It was about divorce for them. Right. And it was about a boat for them. And, and that is beautiful. The other thing I would say is everything is projection. And when I'm writing my comedy, I'm not trying to put certain themes in it, but I'm really struck when sometimes people overanalyze my stuff. The stuff you're eating, reading, consuming, I mean, comes out. And that's not really addressing what you said. What I really wanted to say was, that's life. When you're depressed, you're looking through a certain veil. And when you're connected, this room seems, I'm, I know both you guys, I love both of you guys, I feel very comfortable, it's wonderful. Right. But if I, it's, it's like, I don't check my email before we sit down, because what if I got some fucking annoying news? That's a, that's a veil. But you see what you want to see, so I would say put lots of stuff in that helps you see I would say cosmically, because there's there's peace there. Right. If you only eat derision and dis, and deconstructionism and vitriol, and that's what you'll see. Projection right. makes that's interesting. That Don't look at that me. phone, most. Well, no, it reminds me of the fact that I watched your special and I was really struck with how much of the themes of it were about the superiority of the Gentile. And to me, that, I don't think that's a theme as much as like a fact. Just though. an overt it's thing like, that you were saying. I think over of that as the again. piece of granite I was standing on. <laughs> sure. Nobody questions the granite. You chiseled away the non Gentiles are superior uh, parts, <laughs> and then David, then you were standing on top of David. <laughs> and that David revealed himself. <laughs> and by, of course, by David, I mean that Goyam are superior. Yes, yes. Natasha, any thoughts? Uh, well, I think that we should pivot this wonderful conversation. It is a good about, conversation. Jeremy, uh, pivot. Um, and because we have we have callers waiting, oh, we do have callers. All right, wait, Pete, are you okay to take some advice? You've got a lot of. You're in a healthy <laughs> I relationship. Am. I actually. You're happy. You've got a darling child. You guys are a tight knit family. It's absurd, but like, I was like, whoa! You didn't. Compromise how did this yourself? happen? What, you ever that have that? You're, that you're normal. No, no that he's happy. That, that it's good. We're like, I would consider myself a deeply happy person. Every day, I feel every feeling. Yeah. That doesn't mean I only feel happiness, but I was like, "What happened?" And like, it, it really did unfold in a beautiful. Do you way. think you'd be happy if your career had had stalled? It's a great question. Are you the first caller? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a great question. I will say a paradox of uh, my my spiritual practice is, is is trying to get in touch with the part of you that is made of happiness, that is made of peace. You could call that your I, right? The I am. And getting in touch with that, sinking into that, and not and having non-circumstantial happiness. The paradox is, I was comfortable enough to uncover that truth. The more secure I got in my ego, right? So Ramdas would say, "You have to be somebody before you can be nobody." No, and he wouldn't. Was, he did. He wouldn't. No, he never did. He did. I know his entire body of work by heart. He never said that. All right, give it another Google. <laughs> Dude, what in, did Ram internal Dass, Google? Did Ramdas ever bite the butt of Jews? That's what I'm googling. <laughs> I'm sorry, I cut you off. I just He's wanted to say no, he didn't. No, it's okay. He is Jewish. Uh, but he knows more than anyone. That is written on the other side of the granite, but I don't show people that. Yeah. <laughs> Secretly, they're way better. Uh, you know what I mean. Be here. Be I here mean, now. most Buddhists are Jewish. Like most American. Yeah, there's a, there is. Meditation. Anyone who is like. There's pe- a term for it, you know. 
No, I'm not making a joke. Jubu? Yeah, I, yeah, that's a thing. I mean, yeah. okay, but I'm just saying, like, most of the, uh, you know... Hindu, I've also heard. Hindu. I've never okay. heard that. Have you Hindus. heard of... Cons- like, all those Harvard guys who yeah, were, yeah. like, you know, making psilocybin and taking the trips and yeah. going up to see... Yeah. Maharaji, they were all Jewish. And when I went to Ramdas's retreat, every single one of the, you know, Sharon Sauls, all these people, they're all Jewish. They all have like, all, even the medi- the yoga teachers are all, everyone's Jewish. You know, things really worked out for Ramdas. He became like a thought leader and a spiritual sort of advisor to millions and really was a deep and awesome dude. Did you follow Timothy Leary's life arc? <laughs> By the end of Timothy Leary's arc, he was doing like pay to play, um, uh, like live streams of him doing nitrous. Wow. It would be like, come watch me do nitrous on YouTube. Yeah. See Timmy Leary. Wait, before we take a caller, I want to tell Pete, I know how you got so lucky. How's that? You met a great woman. Well, that's absolutely. I read a statistic the other day that the happiest people are married men and single women. Is that true? (laughs) And I think that men, you know, like you meet this great. I mean, would you be able to do this without her? No. It's like you met this like beacon of light. No, Val is... She is like, you know, it's like... I, and, and like women just hand... I, I don't know. I just feel like it's such a great balance. I've heard Stephen Merchant say that. They asked him the key to happiness and it was like to be loved and find someone to love. And that, that is huge. I, as, as complicated as I can be with my own feelings, meaning I have feelings of judgment and hate and irrational like ugh, stuff. And with my wife and daughter, I just it's just not there. And the greatest gift of that is literally you fall asleep. Our daughter sleeps in our bed. And I'll just be falling asleep and I'm like, oh, I'm, I am okay. There is, there is a golden street in there. It's possible to like love unconditionally. And it, and it's, but what I was going to say was the paradox is the more I handled my lower levels of the hierarchy of needs, my psychological levels, the more I fed my ego and calmed him down, not through meditation, but through, you know, doing what the fuck it said. Going to New York, handing out flyers, doing shows, getting funny. That's getting, ego making you do all that which stuff. Which is all, and I'm not even saying that with, ugh, I'm just saying I did it. I was like, do what it says. <laughs> like it had me hostage. Then I think I, there was like the wave came and then the, it pulls back and it's sizzling. And in that sizzle of the wave pulling back, I was like, oh, he's quiet. And when he was quiet, there was an opportunity to introduce something new. He is you. He is, is his ego, ego is he. He is he. the ego. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't know how I was unclear. I mean, <laughs> who I really am, not my ego, just pure peatness. The ego pure what? receded peatness. What? Ego, big, Pe- thick peatness. 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 I love peatness. You know that I'm a huge fan of peatness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My wife loves my peatness. I've heard that, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Can't get enough of my peatness. Of the big, thick peatness. <laughs> so the wave of my ego receded because it was calm. Mm. So what I'm saying is, as much as I can extol spiritual things... I can't let go of the paradox that meeting my psychological needs, therapy, my my uh, my uh, aspirational career. You have a stuff. desire to perform. You have a desire to be on stage. And I leaned into that. And the more spiritual masters that I talk to, they're like, "That's your gift. That's what you do. That's that's the part you're playing in the mosaic, and that's fine." So I didn't find it by spitting on my ego and telling it to shut up. It was a paradox. The more I. Uh, what's the word, uh, investigated specialness, the more comfortable I was with going like, well, uh, that's not true. <laughs> what is your biggest... Uh, weakness? Weak- no, we- weak- <laughs> weakness. 
what what is what is the thing that you were the most the most fragile and the, the least developed in? What is the thing that drives you crazy that you wish you were better at? If if Val ignores me, I can't. I, it will not stand. I can't have it. If if Aww, if me, you, and Val so were having dinner, and she because she's a mirrorer, mm-hmm. she's a I call her a love genius. So she'll. Mur- I call her a love guru. Rob Schneider's the love guru. I've always called <laughs> you her. You mean that. Mike Myers? Oh, yes, I guess I Val do. will mirror someone else, and she knows this. We talk about this. She'll mirror them so hard, I'll start to vanish, and I get embarrassed. But I'm wow, like, wow, that's deep. I go, I can't have it. So I'll start saying inappropriate jokes. I'll go. I'd rather oh, you be offended. Interesting. You want all of disappear. her attention? It's not that. It, it, we figured it out. She just has to check in with me about once an hour. She just has to go. I see you. I love you. Are you okay? That's all it needs. How long are your dinners? <laughs> once an hour? Maybe once a half hour. Are you doing seven hour dinners? <laughs> I mean, we do have Sunday dinners. And, and the last time we did it, she was really giving it away, which she should. Yeah. And she'll just, she'll just touch my arm. It's just like I could cry. She just goes, I see you. You matter. You're here. I got you. That's all it needs. Oh, man. Don't set that precedent. Well, I'm not doing that at our I dinner would like, I, Listen, <laughs> I, would like, I would like Natasha to reach out with that kind of energy once every eight years of marriage. That's I don't need it once an hour. So How about once a marriage? I you, see you. It's too late. It doesn't, this means nothing. I see you. He just introduced the concept. Wait, what else do you say? I see you. I hear you. You matter. Then. You matter. But it's just the touch. I see you. You matter. But Thank that you, might honey. not be your wound. My wound was I'd rather everyone in this room be mad at me than not acknowledge me. And of course, of course, that would be the family of my wound i get up on stage to go like i'm here so you call you call val a love mirror is that what you said love genius it's all genius and, and she's she does a mirror. mirror people yeah. i i think of natasha as a not a mirror but a cauldron <laughs> and so she'll take whatever i give and she'll put it into a mix of a spell that yeah. she will then poison me with does that yeah. make is that resonant to you i think yeah, of yeah. more of as like a love cauldron yeah yeah a love a love, a love, a love cauldron yeah it's like a beautiful spell that she mixes together and then it slowly kills me over time. Honestly, even as I'm hearing this riff, I'm like, I'm so glad you guys are excited by each other. Like that there's danger and you're joking. You matter. And you're you ripping. matter, honey. Not everybody has to be two honeycombs fucking jizzing on each other. No, I got a weakness. I, I can't. Uh, you know oh, what yeah, Moshe. Okay, what's your, uh, what's your weakness? I mean, I can't. Men! I can't, okay, then. Um, <laughs> I can't be interrupted. I don't like being interrupted. I, I've I noticed. I like, oh, I've noticed that with you, too. If I'm trying to finish a, a thought, and and Natasha in particular, but anyone starts with a new thought, I I it drives me crazy, and I know why it is. We've discussed it in therapy. It's very uh, you know those psychological revelations that are like so th- so thinly beneath the surface they might as well not be unconscious. Yeah, it's my mother is deaf and she fucking didn't hear me when I was talking. I mean, it, it's like it 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 couldn't. We finally be more uncovered hacky. it. Well, when we had our friends staying with us at our house, they were like. Moshe slams the door. Well, there's he that too. Slams the door because of that. And it's like, and he was he like, never learned. He I never, never learned. What were you raised in a deaf barn? <laughs> <laughs> I have, I have the same thing. I hate if you don't hear me because my my dad drove a truck. It's actually kind of sad. He drove an oil truck, so he became hard of hearing over the years, and that became like a trigger for me as well. So even with Val, if I go, I'm I'm taking taking out the trash. What? I'm taking out the trash. If she says what again? That's another like I won't take it out on her, but I notice yeah. this like. Ah! You get <laughs> you know? really mad if she says, "I got a barge of petroleum to get down the eastern seaboard today." That That's song your, was about divorce. That was your dad. <laughs> oh. 
Wait. Oil man. Do the oil man. I, I liked it. You're All making right. a great point, though. I think becoming aware of what your weakness is, because now that I'm thinking of mine. What is it? Well, there's just a lot of things that annoy me. So I'm like, okay, maybe I should consider this and see maybe some things I should be more gentle about. Yeah. Maybe it's like, that's my thing. One You'll of the love this. Val says, sorry, I'm interrupting, but you hadn't, we started speaking at the same time. Listen, see, the I get Val into this with him all the, the reason time. I stopped, if you start at the same time, the reason if you start at the same time, it's not an interrupt. The reason that I stopped was that was a dick joke and I thought you might be making a real point. That's all there is. I wish now I regret not hearing the Peepness <laughs> joke. I was just going to say Val, I love genius. It's like living it's with a great teacher. And she said to me, she was like, you'll notice, like she was on her period. She wouldn't mind me saying she was on her period. And she was like, I'm just feeling anxious and sort of dreadful. And like, what's going on? And then she was like, oh, I'm on my period. This is a completely normal mm. response. And then she goes, but what isn't a completely normal response? Sure. But it goes away once you go, this is a completely normal response. Yeah. And like you're being triggered by this or this or this. And and just one of the techniques we we use is we go like, if you're having a feeling, you just say, if I feel this way the rest of my life, that's okay. It doesn't know what to do with that move. It wants you to grapple with it. It wants you to get messy and bloody. But sometimes you have like anger or dread or sadness and you just go, you, you close your eyes, you give it a shape. You kind of try to find the perimeter of the feeling. And then you go, get bigger, get as big as you want. And it can't, it can't get so big that it fills up the whole You're thing. You're saying face, face the demon, basically. It's, I think the difference is, uh, there's two approaches, right? This is Rupert Spiro, but he's like, you can distance yourself from the feeling by going, I am pure awareness. I'm, that, that's just a phenomenon. That's just a cloud. I'm the sky. There's the anger. There's the sadness. But I'm the sky. That's moving away from it. The other one is move towards it and love it. Mm -hmm. And he likens it to boxers. And he's like, if a boxer wants to, the other guy to stop hitting him, he can retreat. That's I'm, I'm this guy. Or he can go so close to him that it can't hit him anymore. You know how they hang on yeah. each other. So that's the other approach. And you go, it's completely reasonable that I'm triggered by my parents. It's completely reasonable that I'm triggered by not being hurt or whatever it is. And you go, that, that counterintuitive, that's okay. I love it. In fact, it's beautiful. It's completely, it's like being on your period on an airplane. Yeah, that's how you feel. Well, that's okay. the problem Natasha and I sometimes get into because I've reached your level of awareness with that stuff, but she hasn't. So when I notice her feeling dreadful, I'll scream, what are you on the rag or something? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And she reacts negatively to that. But yeah. I'm saying love it's it. okay love if you it. are. Yeah, love it. It's beautiful All where right. you well, are You know what? Perfect. Let's take a call, okay, Moshe? Get so close to the rag. We, we can't take a call. You never revealed your... your your weakness. Man. I did. One okay, thing then. I really hate, but I don't know if this is from childhood, is when you call me to come to you when I'm in the middle of doing something. I did notice that you, you hate that. And you want me to like leave what I'm doing, which is sometimes like upstairs reading, mm -hmm. to come downstairs to help you like so this is find out where we keep the mugs. So this is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so... So when, like he literally doesn't so wait, know wait, wait. Where so when Pete, is. so when I Pete and I revealed the biggest weakness about ourselves, and then I posed the question to you, and you heard what is the thing you're most annoyed with about me? Yeah, that's yeah, but that's well, a, it's but that more, when you were framing saying, it like that, she's having an irrational. If it's hysterical, it's, it's historical, historical, and you're saying where are the mugs. And you're saying you need to stop your, what you're doing, and your reality needs to be respected. Oh, so you think my thing is that my reality needs to be respected? Yeah, more. why are you? It's like pre-assumed that your thing is more important than mine. Mm. So it seems very simple. You just go, Natasha. You look for him. Yeah, Natasha, are you available to help me right or, now? Or 
Conversely, honey, hey, text, I'm not, I'm not available to help you right now. Text me. You can't hear me. I'm like, hey, I'm not. What? What? Look at like. And then, so your biggest weakness is me not respecting your reality enough. Can I give an example that Val does? Because I hate planning. I just don't shift gears well. So if I'm thinking something and someone goes, "Do we want to go on Thursday or Friday?" But Val knows that about me. I hate planning. I hate thinking about the future. Yeah. I, I don't want to think about the past either. But if we she, weren't supposed to do this podcast today, you just showed up. <laughs> I was in the hood. <laughs> but Val will go, are you available to talk about planning right now? Mm. And it just gives me a moment to go, stop the locomotive. It takes a moment. You know what I find? You have this pool, jumping in pools. You got to change your state. You yeah. got to like... A state change. That's what my ADD coach guy says. State change. Right it before. is an ADD thing because ADD is gear shifting. Right. Like I'm, to your point with your book, I'm like fucking in it. I sometimes watch my brain. I'm like, it's planning what I might say to Moshe and Natasha tomorrow. I didn't ask it to. It's kind of visualizing something. And someone goes, do you want to fly on Thursday morning or, or night? And I'm like, you might as well be like, I'm having a birthday party and a stripper just walked in, but I'm five. I, I relate to that and I love it. You know what you were saying earlier, by the way, Ryan. Isabel from New Hampshire. This yeah, is not she's a bit. Waiting, okay, we're about to do it, but this is not a bit because I think I think you'd like this about what you're saying. Go towards it or, or uh, run Rupert's towards it saying, yeah. or back away from it. There was a guy in AA that used to say, I thought this was a very profound idea. He said there was a, came a point in my life when I had to stop backing away from a bottle and turn around and start walking toward God. And I thought that that was that that is kind of the work that we're doing. It's like I, I don't that. want to back away from the thing I fear, but run towards the thing that will fill That's me up. That's exactly with. right. And and don't do what doesn't make you happy. Do what does make you happy. Stop stop avoiding pain and seek pleasure is is another way to put that. That's My nice. whole childhood, everybody else's needs were more important than mine. Well, let me tell you. When so maybe I s- that's what Pete's right. It's like it's like uh, making it seem like your thing is more important. So may, I will give you a... Which is not his intention, which is beautiful. This that's is right. Beautiful. It's not my intention. And you can feel free to scream back, sorry, can't help right now. But what if you can't help hear me? Well, that part... Then I have to come downstairs and be like, I can't help you right now. And you're like, what? Okay, fine. I actually sell intercom systems. For you do? Nice homes. <laughs> Snake oil communications. <laughs> Jed in his old house, he moved, but Jed Apatow at his old house, they'd have, they had an intercom. that they could And go, they would yell Dinner. at each other through the intercom? Ooh, I like that. that. Or how Did about they ever like a fight bell? through the intercom? Oh my God, that would be so That would be awesome. I think if that had happened, it would have been in a movie by now. Hey, Tosh. Yamush. Do you like wasting money unnecessarily? I don't, actually. Well, then Rocket Money is for you. But not being on Rocket Money is not for you because people that don't do Rocket Money are people who enjoy wasting money. Maybe you've signed up for a subscription and then totally forgot about it. I know I have. Rocket Money is an app that will help you find and cancel subscriptions that you signed up for and forgot about a long time ago. And they don't just do that. They're a personal finance app that finds and cancels those subscriptions, also monitoring your spending and helping you lower your bills all in one place. You can try it free for 30 days, just enough time to try it, and then completely forget about it. In fact, over 80% of people have subscriptions they forgot about. You could be wasting money and not even realizing it. Rocket Money helps you find those forgotten subscriptions so you can stop paying for the ones you don't use. So stop throwing your money away. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash honeymoon. Over 3 million people have used Rocket Money, saving the average person up to $720 a year. That's a lot of money. That's a new surfboard for me. That's rocketmoney.com slash honeymoon. rocketmoney.com slash honeymoon. 
Isabel in New Hampshire. Okay, let's call Isabel. Let's talk to Isabel. She's been waiting on the line. I'm sure she's very excited to talk to Pete Holmes, our new couples therapist. <laughs> You see how us. I had your back when I said that wasn't your intention, Moshe. No, it no, wasn't his that. intention. And it's not my intention ever. But I that's never, what's great. It's, and, it's, and Val doesn't make, well, it's intend act, to make me feel like I vanished. Isabel, off the hold on just a second. No, we're no, Isabel, we're here with you. Here. Here's the reality. I am, I am, the, uh, we, our, our therapist said this. Sometimes the weakness in you is the, is the reason you pick the partner because they have a sharp edge where you have a hole or you have a wound. I am a person who I'm narrating my entire life. I'm going, honey, where's the cups? Like, I don't even care where the cups are. It's just how I'm getting. Th- I don't know where the cups are. Who's got the cups? Cups, cups, anyone? And her thing is that a person saying where are the cups is like, drop everything you're doing. Like, it means yeah, nothing yeah. to me and everything to her. We're back to projection. Yep. Isabel. Hi, Isabel. Hi, Isabel. How, how you doing? Hi. It's Nat- good. How are you? It's Natasha, Moshe, and our good friend Pete Holmes. Hi. Uh, what's going on? How can we help you? Pete just saved our um, marriage, so you should be excited. Or ruined it, depending oh on how you God. see it. I really hope we can save my situation, honestly. <laughs> um, so, no, basically, um, I have been with my partner or my boyfriend for um, almost four years now. And um, back in February, um, I guess you can say, unfortunately, his um, nephew decided to send me a picture of his penis. <laughs> Well, you wouldn't um, have to say, unfortunately. It depends on the penis, right? Was it a big penis? Well, um, let's just say it kind of uh, really more so looked like a cinnamon bun on top of like some legs laying down. Okay. So it wasn't... That's uh, unfortunate. It wasn't... Um, it was a flash shot. What's yeah. it called? Circumcised? Yeah. It was... Yeah, it wasn't circumcised. Yeah, uh, that's I'm that's the question sure. we have. Was it circumcised? Uh, before if we... it looks like a cinnamon bun, it doesn't. <laughs> I think she just means it, it was kind of... Yeah, definitely didn't look uh, circumcised whatsoever. <laughs> okay. Whatsoever, um, uh, <laughs> it had eight skin. So, no, so did it say anything? The text, or it was just the picture? Eight skin. Thank no. you. I'm glad you liked it. So it was uh, via Snapchat, which was um, kind of random. I had just accepted him. He had sent me his uh, friend request uh, several months uh, prior, and I was just like, okay. Um, let me just go ahead and accept him because my partner was just like, hey, he's a great guy. Why not? Okay. So that same week, uh, he sent me a uh, selfie with no context. And then two days later, he sent me um, the picture of his uh, penis. Uh, I didn't open it because I'm not a big uh, Snapchat user. But then I was literally here at work. But you and, love a cinnamon um, bun, right? It had to be <laughs> tempting. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely, definitely. Um, so then I opened it and it was just, uh, you know, mayhem from there. Uh, I immediately, I took a screenshot of it because I was like, there's no way they're going to believe me um, that he sent me this. Um, and sent it to my boyfriend. He confronted him, blah, blah, blah. Long story short, we wanted some distance from him. His uh, family just went a little crazy and they kind of just like stopped talking to us. Like his, like my boyfriend's um, brother doesn't talk to him. His sister-in-law doesn't talk to us anymore. All his siblings, they have like seven kids or something like that. Um, but this person's like 30 years old. Uh, so <laughs> I just don't understand why. They Do all these relatives involved. know about the picture? Yeah, so we had to tell them because he was like not giving us our space. So they be- like they believe like, that the dick pic was sent. They just think you're somehow overreacting. Is that kind of the yeah? Vibe? What is their exactly? Oh. How did exactly. you react? 
Are they like, well, oh, you didn't do it in a chill way or something? No. Well, I just said like, hey, um, I clearly don't really know why you would send this. Can you just, uh, I don't really want to talk to you or like see It's you aggressive. Like getting a dick pic is violating. It is it is a yeah. violation. Like I didn't want to see and that. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly my point. So I was just like, I don't know what your intentions are really. And like, you know, he wasn't even apologetic. Um, he was just like instantly trying to come up with excuses. And the fact that he had this whole excuse so well thought out or so well, like so many details about this. It excuse felt like a paste. Being- uh, like a, a- <laughs> I mean, look, he, P, you have any first thoughts? Because I, this. I'm so sorry simple. it happened uh, to you. That is oh. super violating. And your feelings are totally valid. I, I'm sorry that they, they're not respecting that. It, it, it sounds like there's just a lot of embarrassment going on and people act very irrationally when they're embarrassed. In fact, speaking of relationship advice, that's been such a game changer in my relationship. Also with my friendships, sometimes I have like a big reaction, like I'm angry or protective. And the phrase sorry, I'm just embarrassed is like a lifesaver. Oh, you just go hard to say, but so and, powerful. And yeah. when you say that to friends, I, I say to Val all the time. Sorry, I go, I got she goes like, well, what, let's say she says something to me and it's in the statement. It's clear to me that I misunderstood something or I did. I just didn't understand the situation. And suddenly I feel like I'm in junior high and I go, well, I don't fucking want to see them. And I go, sorry, I was just embarrassed. That's great. But so that's what I can get there. It just sounds like you're dealing with people. It sucks that you're going to, one thing that comes to mind is being the bigger person when you've already been the bigger person. And I'm not even saying. the victim. Yeah, you're the victim and you're being asked to like now cradle their feelings when your feelings should be cradled. Um, But I think it's just kind of like, if there's anything that's coming to mind that might be helpful, it's like, this was an embarrassing situation. I understand that. I, I just want you to know that I don't like that people are divided in this way. My hope is that we can move on. I didn't want to shame anybody. I just wanted this to stop. But but I don't yeah. like I don't like how it's playing out. That's so much easier said than done. I, well, I, I actually have an idea based on what he said. Is there a pecking order? Is there a matriarch you can kind of go to to kind of say this once? Yeah, who runs the show? <laughs> who runs everything? Who's kind of the most influential? And or safe. Maybe and, meet at a Cinnabon. I mean, yeah, that's a good, <laughs> right? that's a great idea, Pete. Just no, to live up the old days. Because maybe if it is the mom or whatever, and, and, and if you really do want to start being included in some family things, the holidays are coming up. Maybe this is a good time to say it. You know, Christmas is coming up. We would love to see you guys. It's okay if Blank is there. But, you know, I also, I wouldn't want to send this to like 40 people or 20 people. Like, that's why I'm like, maybe right. there's a manipulation <laughs> where you can like, and when you send or a strategy, it, if you not do send it to all forty people, I would do a topless photo just to sign off. <laughs> it's just a suggestion. I'm saying at this point. Well, you know, it's uh, uh, to. I think. Oh, Natasha, and also, it's cool that your boyfriend got your back, though. Yes, for sure. Oh, absolutely. Well, I think the, to, the, ever since day one. <laughs> to Pete and Natasha's point, both of them are approaching this from an uh, incorrect angle. No, they're both approaching it from a a place of a soft of, place. A place of uh, of mediation and and of conflict resolution, which I think is legit cuz you're in this 
for better or for worse, you're in this, unless you want to break up with your with your boyfriend, you're in this unit somehow. Either you're in it with tension Correct. or you're in it with uh, finding a way to make peace. But I would go, it, my observation of this is from the other angle. It, I, and it doesn't negate what they're saying. I think mediation is an option if that's something that you desire. If you want to get back in their good graces, you, you might have to do something like what Pete and Natasha are saying, which is accept the unacceptable and find a way to make peace with it. But just so you understand, my observation of, of what this is, is that that family is sick. They know that that, that, that nephew, that Cinnabon, for lack of a better term because you didn't name him, that Cinnabon has a problem. And when sometimes a person in a family unit has a problem, drug addiction, sexual compulsivity, all this mm -hmm. kind of thing. Because that is compulsive. To send it to someone who your brother's... Your brother's dating and then come <laughs> up with a, with a cockamamie story. I mean, it, it reminds me so much of the panicked excuses that people make in those like uh, vigilante um, child molester capture videos at Walmart. You ever <laughs> see those, Pete? Where it's just like, oh, you're here to meet a 12-year-old. And then you see a man panic. It's always a man panicking going like i was actually they were i thought they were 18 they, they're just like coming up with words right. to, su to to supplant where there's like a family be. there's a toxic family narrative I, I actually agree with you as well i mean if this happened with look families have mythologies yes and you're the outsider and you're disrupting it so it's not about a dick pic it's mm. about please 100%. don't rock the boat uh -huh. so when people have been abused right. and you're being abused and that behavior is happening, it does evoke feelings of shame and it's like a can of worms thing. And it's like, now you're the enemy that isn't just kind of compromising this story, this this happening. It's the whole family a, feels like it will crumble. A thousand percent. It's like when somebody, uh, what I was going to say is often when there's an illness in a family, then the family begins to bend towards that illness in order to make that illness acceptable. Yeah. And so when you come in, you're this outsider. You don't have the years of trauma that they've all built around. You this didn't get a script. You weren't handed yeah. a script. So yeah. who the fuck are you? You're coming in here saying it's unacceptable for, for our nephew to send you a dick pic? Who thinks <laughs> like that no one in this family thinks like that but she and is gonna have to let go of that so there all i wanted right. to say was this isn't you this is them and now you've got a decision to make i think it is an acceptable decision to say i don't give a fuck i've been abused i don't want anything to do with that family unit you're either riding with me lover or you or you are or going in that direction i'll never fuck with them again but it's also acceptable what pete and, and natasha were saying to say this happened. It was unacceptable. I'm not going to accept it, but I am going to do the work that I have to do because I'm in this. That's on up to you. And you can also try this thing. And if it doesn't work and you're met with, <laughs> uh, you know, rejection by the family still. She's then been met with rejection. No, but she's never you've never come up, have you, to like really oh, try to make a choice? No, I, we did. So it because we looked for the matriarch or whatever which we thought would be um my boyfriend's dad just because we figured that he would be a neutral you know position in this and he sent I, a dick pic too didn't he most <laughs> an older bun <laughs> right still. No, and we thought that maybe he could talk to his brother and all this stuff or whatever you know try to talk to the family but they're kind of i mean it, it's basically what you're saying Moshe. like it's They've all decided that we're in the wrong because we don't want to forgive. But it's really also like he hasn't been apologetic. He's been apologetic to everyone else except for me. I called him uh, unannounced. I just said, you know what, if you really want to talk to me, like, I'll go ahead and, you know, give you a call. Um, so I called him up and I said, hey, 
you seem to really want to talk to me and I need to know what else you need to say that you haven't said already. Like what, what excuse do you need to come up with? And so he wasn't able to say, I'm sorry. He wasn't able to say, you know, uh, anything, nothing. So I just laid it out to him. I was like, I'm not willing to lie for you to family members. If they ask me why I don't talk to you or why I'm not around, it's, I'm going to tell them the truth. And he was like, okay, well, I guess we don't have anything to talk about. So then do, he hung Just up. do not allow, <laughs> do whatever you choose to do, do not allow your, this is what gaslighting is and it is what abuse is. It's weird that it's a whole family doing it to you. It's usually one person doing it to you, but it's, it, it is what they do. They, they engage in unacceptable behavior and then you react to the unacceptable behavior and then they punish you not, they punish you for the reaction, leaving out yeah. completely the behavior that brought about the reaction. Normally, they punish you for the reaction. When you look, I'm not diagnosing anybody I couldn't with narcissism, but it's like, if you try to get a narcissist to apologize to you, almost inevitably you will end up apologizing to them for yes. having your feelings hurt. Yeah, <laughs> and that is, that is a here's here's the best thing I can offer you is like you're so not alone. That is a normal thing. It's so normal that it's in medical journals, and there's certain people that just are incapable of saying I'm sorry because their entire identity would crumble if they admit that the whole thing falls apart. So I am sort of leaning to like, I think if you, you've been with your boyfriend four years, he might be the place to go and be like, are you curious about what's going on here? Do you want to like look into this family narrative? And is how it, important is it to you to be a part of your family? Because that's what she, because if it's like he's pining away and the holidays are here, it might be worth a shot, right? right. I, 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 I was actually saying like this seem yeah, I, that was valid, but I think it might be an opportunity for him you're this like window mm. in this cave that just opened and maybe this guy needs help getting out. I can say as, as I've been married a couple times, I've been with people for long stretches a couple times. And when you meet them, it's a really eerie sort of horror movie feeling when you start seeing the, the, the lines everybody was handed out. Mm -hmm. It might be a dad that's drinking six bottles of wine and no one's talking about it. Mm. It might be an abuse. It might be violence. It might, it, all these things. But people get slowly, like boiling a frog in water, indoctrinated into this story. And if you love, if this sounds right to your boyfriend, let's not assume, it might be an opportunity for him to get curious about what is my family story? How have I been a co-conspirer, an unwilling, a victim of something that I didn't want to be? So it's a mm. it's a crack. It's a it's a bad thing. But as Leonard Cohen says, the cracks are where the light <laughs> comes in, mm -hmm. right? So we hate it. It sucks. But this is what evolution feels like. This is what birth feels like. And it might be something. I'm trusting you, love, and trust your boyfriend. It might be he might be the safe place to talk to him about it. I love that idea because it's like you don't care about that family. You just care about him. Like that's the only important right. thing is you guys. I mean, yeah, the, this is in some ways like taking out the salacious details. This is in some ways an unbelievably simple problem. It's like the violation is clear and it is not you. The violation, it, it couldn't be more like sort of ham-fisted and over the top. It looked like a ham, literally. Uh, um, it's, it's like, it's, it's clear who, the, uh, who was in the wrong. It's clear that your reaction 
shock and horror is 100% normal. And Confrontation. The, and the problem you know. is now no one's talking about the actual thing that went wrong. Everybody's talking about the very normal reaction. That's a very sick, super sick dynamic. And you don't have to engage in it at all if you don't want to. You just never believe that you've done anything wrong because you've done zero wrong. You've done only the normal thing. When someone's nephew sends you a dick pic, you are supposed to be horrified. And the family, even if they're saying, oh, that's just nephew, that's just Cinnabon, that's how he is, they're supposed (laughs) to wag their fingers at him. Even if they don't take it seriously enough, they're supposed to go, you idiot, what the fuck are you doing? But the shame is too much. The shame is too much. The shame is too much. You're like pulling a linchpin out of a you know, like the Jenga, and it's all going to fall down. But it, it it won't. It it just needs to evolve, and and that might be too much uh, for I this agree. family. It's not going to happen. You're not going to get. <laughs> no, you're right. He's no, right. I, you're I, not going to get satisfaction from the family. You, but you can get satisfaction with your boyfriend, with your boyfriend, and with yourself, knowing that you're not do you're not weird here. And speaking from experience, an outside girlfriend or partner can be the person that goes. Hey, have you noticed your family are zombies? Like, have you noticed <laughs> that everyone in your family eats brains and is a zombie? And, hey. and you're so used to it, you, yeah, don't know. you don't know. And that becomes yeah. a great gift. I had girls, women that I dated for a year, and they I consider them jailbreakers. Like, yeah. I didn't know that there was this and this and this going on. And even though the relationship didn't ultimately work out, like we didn't get married, yeah. that's this like incredible gift they gave me. So there's an opportunity here for him even if you don't end up staying together. But um, yeah, also, if you, you can't really, reason with unreasonable people. And if you really love mm-hmm. him and you want to have a baby, you want that fucking nephew around your kid? Like, fuck that. Like, I don't want this family around. If you... Yes. I'm very protective in that way, like, in ter- you know, from being a mother and I would that even stuff go a step, matters. I would go a step further. I would guess, knowing very little about this family, that I, I, would, I wouldn't guess. I would put all of my money... Uh, and because I'm Jewish, I only think about terms to, in things yeah, 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 of yeah. money and um, and and bartering. Yeah, yeah. I would put all of my money on the fact that this is not the the first, second, or hundredth time this this particular person has had a sexual impropriety. This it didn't start with a dick pic. Uh, you don't want your kids or yourself anywhere near that person ever. And I would even go further. I would bet half of my money and say that there's probably something else in that family unit that has that to to make acceptable that kind of sexual behavior. Somebody else in that family unit has experienced or has perpetrated some kind of sexual weirdness. This isn't acceptable. Do not be alone with this person. And you can play the family this podcast. No, at Thanksgiving. I was going to say you could play it for your husband, <laughs> your boyfriend. But then I was like, well, maybe not. Now that you say that there might be. Other, I'm like, just saying, perverts in his no, family. no family unit reacts <laughs> to a nephew sending. It. Imagine, imagine your nephew doing that. Imagine your nephew doing that, and you go, "Oh, don't quit overreacting." There's no way that happened in a vacuum. That happened with context that we don't aren't privy to, and uh, in this situation right. only. All right. Well, good yeah. luck, honey. <laughs> Hopefully, we help. Thank you. you so much. And I'm so sorry I that happened. That yeah. Sucks. Could yeah. you send us? Thank you. Could you send the uh, endless honeymoon pod at Gmail? Could you just send the screenshot? <laughs> oh, and we'll put it on our Instagram. Moshi, I'll send you a postcard for sure. I love that. Thank you. Bye. Good luck. Thank you. Thank you so bye. Much. Thank you. Horrifying. You know, it reminds me of Mike Birbiglia has that story of a drunk driver T-boned him, mm-hmm. and then the drunk driver sued him. Yes. <gasps> for ten grand, and uh, I'm ruining it. I forget. I think it's my girlfriend's boyfriend. Uh, Mike just had to pay it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there's just like a very unfair thing. Yes. And you just go, 
oh, I, I have to eat this for myself. And you look at it as, I don't know how Mike looks at it, but you look at it as like a $10,000 bail. Yeah. It's like Jerry Seinfeld parks wherever he wants, and he goes, would you pay $600 a year to have a golden ticket that lets you park anywhere in New York City? Oh, that's like, great. That's what you do. That's, yeah, but then your car gets towed. You buy a new, if you're Seinfeld, you just buy a new one, I think. That's rich on a different level where you're like, yeah, give me the ticket. I'm yeah, I don't, I don't subscribe to that one. But I do go like, oh, you could be on hold for six hours with Johnson & Johnson because you found a pube in your shampoo. <laughs> or you could consider that like by not doing that, you gain six hours. Well, it's funny. <laughs> Howard Kramer and Megan Keyser on this podcast where they talk about the, how they like to scam money things. And Megan would like, you know, wait in line at different places for like hours. And her whole thing was my time is meaningless. I will say this. <laughs> wow. As so many people on their deathbed have said. Yeah. I wish I had <laughs> waited in line longer. <laughs> it's a specific type of person, I think. Hey, Tosh. Yeah, Mosh. You know what I love. I mean, our listeners already know what I love. I love sleeping on... A Helix mattress. It's all we sleep on. It's solved my back problems. It's taken away Natasha's sleeping hot problems all in one mattress, all because we took that sleep quiz thing they have on their website and got the perfect mattress for us. Helix Sleep is a premium mattress brand that provides tailored mattresses based on your unique sleep preferences, as well as a dynamic mattress that fits your child's needs over the years. You know, over the t- course of this podcast, I've gotten a few DMs with people saying, I know you do a read for Helix Mattress. I know they're an advertiser. but Me it- too. I have got those too. Is it really worth the hype? And I am so happy to be able to write back and say it is. I, I said the same thing. I sleep on it every night. I love it. I do everything on it, including, you know what? That's right, watching Netflix. Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night free trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty for you and your child to try out their new Helix mattress. And here's some good news. Helix is currently offering 20% off all mattresses, including the Helix Kids mattress and two free pillows for our listeners. So go to helixsleep.com slash honeymoon. This is their best offer yet, and it will not last long. And I have to say, that enhanced cooling feature, when I go on the road and sleep in another, you know, one of those like disgusting Four season mattresses oh, or something, oh, I get so that? hot at night, I wake up with sweats. I know. But it, here, because I got the cooling top, it really did cure me of it. You're I'm, like, what is this, one season? Summer? Summer season? Give me my Helix. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Uh, okay, we have one more person waiting to talk to you, Pete, who is shedding so much wisdom on this podcast. Wisdom. <laughs> I feel like um, we need to come to you with parenting questions, too. All right. Uh, I'll just quote Val. I mean, it'll be worth it. Britt is calling from San Diego. Britt. Hello. What's Hi. up? Hi, Britt. Hi. How are you? Hi there. Good to see you. I'm good. How are you guys? Oh, we're just great. Pete Holmes has joined us on the podcast. Hello. Hi, Pete. <laughs> they, they, I like your energy. It's very casual. It's very cool. <laughs> Thank you. How can we help? Yeah. So um, I have a, I'm calling today for advice regarding an approach to long distance dating. So a little backstory. I recently began dating someone that lives on the East coast and I'm located in San Diego. Uh, It's still pretty new. We met at a music festival in June and it was actually my first time going to a music festival by myself and sober. Um, I've been sober almost two years. And then um, I went by myself on this like little solo trip from Nashville to the festival and then to the Smokies. And um, during that trip, he uh, camped next to me at a festival at the festival. And uh, we hit it off. And on the last day, 
Uh, we exchanged information. We went camping in Virginia a couple months later. And then he visited me when I was in Berkeley uh, visiting some friends last month. And we have plans next weekend. So things are going well, but it's all new uh, territory for me. Uh, sober dating, dating over distance, dating after healing and approaching from more of a conscious standpoint, and also dating someone in the military, um, which is ironic because I left San Diego to meet someone in the military that doesn't live here. Uh, but anyways, I'm still a little rusty and um, I haven't had a serious relationship in a couple of years either. So my question is twofold. Number one, um, any advice or tips on navigating long distance dating? And perhaps if you have an experience with relocation and discussing that, or if that comes later, it's again, it's pretty new. It's just a few months in. And my second question, which I'd love to hear Natasha's insight on, is uh, more logistical about splitting bills, since it's not typical dating, since it is distanced. Um, so those are the two questions. Ooh, You mean like airfare and stuff to visit one another? Yeah, yeah. And then when we're, you know, since we do camp grocery shopping, there's, it's just a little bit non-traditional. So, well, one thing I will say just cause that's kind of the easy part is I think yeah. now you're getting to know him. So you're going to kind of see like, where does he pick up the bill? Is he expecting you to pay? Is he mm -hmm. like, you know, so I think this is where you start to get to know someone's money habits a little bit and see if it yeah. gels with yours, because like, that's really important to me. Like I want someone who's generous and I need to kind of have that. And, you know, I think this is exciting, but you just, you're still in that zone where you're working out if mm -hmm. this is a compatible person and it's actually going to take a little longer because you're not spending as much time together. Yeah. But also be fast tracked because you're doing all this financing. Traveling. Right. But he does get to board the plane before even the premier one K yes. passengers. <laughs> so I feel like. Oh, he's it's got a big advantage here. in that way. In Only if he's in uniform. What branch of the military <laughs> is he in? Army. Could he move or would it be you? I did ask him? that um, kind of in a playful way in the beginning. And it's not out of the realm of possibility, he said. Mm, I see. Are I, you like super sprung on him? Yeah, obviously. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I long distance dated Val. <laughs> I like that sprung. Val, okay. my wife and I, uh, she was in Northern California. I was in Southern California and we met in San Francisco. And then we started meeting in San Francisco but here's here's the rub. This is why it's funny to ask showbiz jerks for advice because I'm like, what's the problem? <laughs> you know, like uh -huh. just, you, just, you just fly your girlfriend out and you stay yeah, the four yeah. seasons. Like, what's the big deal? So I I will uh, cede my priv and uh, acknowledge <laughs> that. But, but they're staying at national parks. They see all four seasons. Mm. Was that Boo. fun or terrible? <laughs> I loved it. Okay, nature's it was... true hedonism. Pete. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're probably they probably have better views, to be honest, than some of those four seasons. I didn't get that part, so I I, I will seed that. That's nice. Uh, seed. Stop saying seed. I just wanted to say, for what it's worth, that Val and I went from meeting, you know, once a month, and we started meeting. This was a shorter flight, but we started meeting twice a month, and then she started coming to see me in L.A. And then we went from that for, I don't know, maybe, well, I should know this, but it was it was about six months of that, maybe, maybe a year. I don't think so. Around there. And then we moved in together. So we went full. I remember full all that, Pete. Yeah. I remember that time in your life when she transitioned. It was funny because she transitioned from a like, oh, I'm seeing someone fun to like, wait a second. Yeah. This feels significant to like, yeah, we're living together. And then at, so that and that kind of brings me to what I was but when you know, you know, I wasn't nervous about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. We were going to get her an apartment in L.A. She was going to get an apartment. Uh -huh. And then I was like, 
what the fuck are we doing? I love right. you. <laughs> like, well, that, well, that's exactly. Sorry, but, but I, I wasn't unsure about it. But okay, yeah. but I, I mean, my advice is to always let the guy take cues off of me a little bit. But I think that's very old fashioned. So I'm curious, Pete, did you kind of like, did you let Val like? Were you kind of like wooing her? Was it? Did it feel? Were you the driver? Because she's also like, I could feel Val being the kind of person who would totally ask a guy out, just because she seems that's open minded. Inter- I, I think she would like that. <laughs> I, but I always, I, I tend to be more old fashioned because I wouldn't want to be su- keep suggesting things if the guy. Yeah. She, she never dropped it. It, it. She never said, "Can I live with you?" There was no. It was you. It was me, and I'm a little bit. When I, I wouldn't even say old-fashioned. I'd say I have a fragile male ego, meaning I like the feeling of like autonomy or whatever. Well, a lot of guys do, and that's why it's not very in style these days. Like Women are like, well, I'll ask him out, or this is what I decide. Get comfortable. Very honey. interesting <laughs> choice. A, a bold choice, and late in the podcast <laughs> to have gone for that. It's interesting. But um, I do think that, I don't know. You hate it. I what? would just I really want him to be... I love it. No, he can do whatever do he wants. Do what you want. Put your feet on the table. Put them up. Am I wrong? I just wouldn't have done it if I was wearing those shoes. That's no, all I'm saying. talking about her problem, <laughs> Moshe. Jordan's, it's a little zing. It's just I know, zing. I liked it. It's just a zing. I was happy I was wearing Sorry, those Natasha. shoes. Sorry, Natasha. I'm just saying. <laughs> I got I don't, distracted. I don't want to be telling my hot army dude who I'm obsessed with and masturbating about every single night, like, when am I going to see you again? Are you masturbating about him every single night? Jeez Louise. Um, no, Not just every kidding. night. Just kidding. Yeah. Well, oh, so you're She's saying. hot well, for him. Well, okay, She's so, thinking about it. So that's what brings me to what I, what I, I always say the same thing about long distance relationships. Is this your first long distance relationship? First words, working toward partnership. Yeah, because yes. my thing, I was a big time chronic long-term relationship person i did it for years no you weren't yes I long term you mean i'm sorry long distance i'm so sorry long <laughs> distance long the opposite the opposite uh, and and it i now recognize that the reason i liked long distance relationships is because it provided a sense of emotional security where i could be in an emotional relationship with someone and have none of the effort that comes with being in an actual relationship with somebody all it was was texting and calling and oh i miss you i miss you exciting weekend when you go exciting weekend trip where i'm like oh i drink your energy and then i'm out i have no responsibility yes the bachelor yeah you're on the bachelor exactly and so I think with long distance relationships, they 100% can work, but you kind of have to do what Pete did, which is like every step is a step towards making it more serious instead mm-hmm. of every step is a step towards making it more permanently long distance so you never have, and especially being newly sober, not, not that newly, but newly enough, it's so scary to go, everything is, feels new, I've never done it in this state before. So that would be my advice is to like to dive into it, not foolishly or blindly, but say the only way that this can work is if I'm using it as a, a bridge to a serious relationship, not as a drug to make me feel like I have a love, but when in fact what I have is a pen pal. You know what's interesting is I, I'm, not, I'm honestly not worried about it because the best part is, is that you really like him. And I, I have a feeling he really likes you. And I also have a feeling that as... This is generalizing, but what else can we do? As a military person, I bet he's decisive. I bet he's disciplined. I bet he knows what he wants. And I feel like the mistake would be to force it or mm-hmm. push it. You, you know, mm-hmm. you know your own boundaries. I'm not asking you to pretend or play or be fake. Yeah. I'm just saying from my own experience, these things are natural. When I just told that story, I'm like, I don't even know when it happened. Mm-hmm. I just knew we were falling more and more in love. And then 
from the guy side, being apart became less and less tolerable. And then it just leads, it's actually kind of a nice situation. Uh, it's an easy breakup if it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, just stay where you are. Yeah. <laughs> and, and there's a <laughs> natural built He literally can't leave. Like there's military police that will stop him from leaving. The country. So he has to stay where he is. That's right. So it's even yeah, you, better. You have security too. Yeah. But it seems to me like I, I'm not hearing a problem. I'm hearing like just let it. I sound like uh, a fucking Dr. Ruth just being like, trust your body. But like <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll know. And like eventually the pain of being apart will become so great that you'll be like, let's be together. And if that's in separate apartments in the same city or whatever, there's, there's a rhythm to this and, and, and there's still ways out. It doesn't have to be like what Val and I did, uh, but I think you're okay. Aren't you on a fixed income though if he's in the military? Like how much money does he have to like take flights to come see you? I'll be honest. I don't understand military at all. Well, so you, I don't really get how it works. They it's put like him on a Chinook helicopter and they can go anywhere in the country. That's, that's <laughs> yeah, you fly in the empty part of the plane. And then you just parachute out and then you're good. <laughs> but in terms of him being cheap or, or I don't know, I, I just put that on him. But like if you feel like he's kind of like not really picking up the slack or something, you know it, you know, and then maybe it yeah. is a conversation. But I like I, in like the traditional mindset because there's like this progressive part of me and that like I'm a hyper independent woman as well. But then there's that like I want to be wooed. I want to be courted. Yeah. And it's kind of like that. I fine think line you're going to be OK. Between. He's in the army. It's not like you got yourself a like didgeridoo playing festy guy. <laughs> probably going to sweep you up over a uh but what a a cool mix Uh, honestly (laughs) yeah if if he can afford it it's that's fun too i really val and i think about that all the time like it's fun to be honest about your own desire to feel like a big shot because i I was i am obsessed with my wife but i was obsessed with her and when we talked about it being the bachelor i was trying to impress her and we still say that so san francisco is our love city and like sometimes we'll be on a trip and I'm like, this is like San Francisco. Like we're back, Aww. like chasing each other and desiring each other. And and it really worked out. But you'll know, again, Dr. Ruth, like you'll know it's 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 not as weird. It's just a little bit more pressure cooked. Your your mm-hmm. weekends together will be like four weeks of dating. In, yeah, in three days. it feels like that. And, <laughs> and don't spend too, really quickly, just so I don't forget, don't spend too much time obsessing about the future on your weekends together well, right now. That's actually what I was kind of going to say. And it's going to sound like the opposite thing to what I said originally. Because I, I do believe what, I, what I'm saying with a, with a long distance relationship, just make sure you're not doing it as a drug. I believe that. But having heard your description and the way you posed your question, there were so many details. I would say too many, uh, you know, Smoky Mountains. We, I, had a music festival. we went to the thing. Smokies. All, all this information. I thought to myself, oh, this woman is very um, orderly and, ty- and yes. type A. And so, and that's who mm-hmm. you are. Mm-hmm. And that's a good, that's not a bad thing. It's not a knock on you at he all. He probably is but too a little He bit. probably is too if he's in the military. But within the framework of seeing him, Probably you're supposed to be, uh, my, my old AA sponsor always said when I was talking to him about dating, he said, you know, this is supposed to be fun, right? So the amount of time that you can spend not analyzing whether it's moving on mm-hmm. towards the future and just experiencing this guy in whatever setting you're in and like just having joy with him, the better you'll be and probably the more it will progress. Yeah, it's like the more you'll be more likely for it to take root and become serious, the less 
you obsess on that. A hundred percent. I'll get that tattooed on me because I'm a project manager and that bleeds into my personal life. I'm just like a very type A person. But you know what? With this guy, he probably likes it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, But also like I wouldn't press him for stuff. And just know it's not a gun. It's a weapon or a piece. That's right. And you you just let him know that you guys make love at 0600 hours every morning. Okay. (laughs) That's what's going to have to happen. All right. Well, good luck. I think you're going to be you. great. Yeah, how exciting. <laughs> Thank you. Love. I appreciate it. Enjoy. Thanks, Dr. Ruth. Yeah. yeah. Bye. Trust your bodies. <laughs> Pete, that was two calls. She was so reading that, though. No, she was very, it was very didactic. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I respected it because she wanted I to make did. sure she got all the details out. Moshi, but, as a fast talker, no one listens to this on double speed. I'm just going to say. Uh, <laughs> you're like, one of the things I wanted to say to you about your situation, if we can call it a situation, one of the things about a situation is that if you're in it and you're doing it as a drug. And the I'm just fact like, that Pete Holmes is telling me I'm talking a little too much is a, a, a breath of fresh air, I yeah. would say. Hey, Tosh. Yeah, Mosh. You're an aficionado of THC and marijuana, aren't you? Mm, I would say that. But you don't always want to be wasteoid, <laughs> right? Not unless I'm podcasting. Well, you probably heard the word microdosing. If not, just know that all sorts of people are microdosing these days to feel healthier and perform better. You know that just right feeling when your body and mind are really at peace, like after a workout or a nice long shower where you're relaxed, focused, just a little bit energized. It's also called being in the zone. Does this strike a chord with anybody? Because this is what microdosing can do for you. Getting that feeling. It's just, it's not that feeling that you, you know, you're going to jump off the, the, eighth floor of the building in Amsterdam because you had like too many pot cookies. (laughs) No. This is just like that just right feeling. Here are some of the things that microdosing gummies can do for you. Relieve your anxiety and pain or your muscle tension. It could boost your mood, relaxation, and make you more like you're living in the moment. It could spice up your sex life and make you feel more intimate with your partner. Falling asleep and staying asleep. It can help you with your post-workout recovery. And help you on your focus and creativity. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code HONEYMOON to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com, code HONEYMOON. Microdose.com, code HONEYMOON for 30% off. Okay. Well, Pete, you had great wisdom. (laughs) <laughs> and it was great fun to hang with you. Well, and I think we even had some breakthroughs, didn't you we? You guys did. Thank yeah, you. Oh, I thought you had great things to say. Is what Moshe's going to stop uh, asking me where the uh, spoons are. And, and start sending dick pics to <laughs> your nieces. Uh, watch Pete's new special on Netflix. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, dot com. Go it's to www.http colon forward slash forward slash www.netflix.com slash browse browse slash Pete Holmes um, it's a great special and because you're a great comic and a great guy and we always love having you thank you and please do watch it because otherwise it's going to get weird I'll yank of it Pete um, I I notice you what's the thing you said I see you I see you you, you, matter. you matter you matter you're here you're here you know what Val and I you really want to end on like a douche chill yeah. kind of overly sweet thing please Val and I say I see you in there what do you mean like, they see each other's I, souls. I see you in there. I see you in there. Moshe doesn't in believe there. in anything he doesn't see. What do you mean? Well, how did the, how, how are you triangulating his love <laughs> no. to an attack on me? I, I think that's nice. I see you in there. I, Natasha and I will connect um, like the Navi. So just to take it a step further, yeah. I'll take my hair and I'll wrap it up in her hair. Yeah. And then I make unceasing, unrelenting eye contact with her every time we make love. And then, it, and then when I uh, have an orgasm, I don't look at her for 30 to 40 minutes. And if she tries to talk to me, I say, I'm in my cum zone. You know what's funny? 
I just Val just played me this amazing clip. It's what is it called? Um, Mating in, Cacti- in captivity, I think, is the book. And they were like the reason why sex is again to quote Rupert Spire, it's not a relationship; it's the dissolving of relationship. Meaning, like, let's not be me and you. Let's just merge. Yeah. So after sex, which can be an overwhelming merging experience for a lot of men, not to generalize, but women might be more available to that, being more heart centered. They want to connect, and men want to kind of like. Well, it's not even connect. It's almost like oblivion. Right, right. So that, for, so for men and women to take gender out of it after orgasm, so you had this wordless, you weren't there. Bust, wordless bust. You blew a load, so yeah. wordlessly. Yeah, fat load, yeah. <laughs> this is all in the clip, I'm assuming. You blow a fat load. You blow a fatty, and then the watch, I don't have this issue, <laughs> but watch your desire to check your email or uh-huh. smoke a cigarette or uh-huh. get some food. That's it's really because you want to. I also have it. You said the Ramdas retreat. After the Ramdas retreat would be like four days of silence and chanting and all this great stuff. The last day, Val and I would be like on the plane or whatever, just binging Netflix because you want to rebuild your identity. Mm. The The trick as you mature is to go like, let's not. Let's recognize what remains in oblivion and recognize that oblivion isn't oblivion either you'll find this interesting or, or no not. no no i think this is oh, a no, fascinating the, idea the next thing i'm yeah. about to say <laughs> when you close your eyes and you picture michael jordan like just allow the the image of michael jordan to materialize in whatever this field is and then let it go away it seems like michael jordan vanished into nothing right i think this is a clue to everything Michael Jordan didn't vanish. Michael Jordan was replaced by the empty, spacious awareness that was there, preceded it, and was there. So where is the thought coming from and where does it recede to? The reason why this is interesting, not just as as a thought experiment, but has implications for our life as well. We seem to appear into this world and we seem to die and, and vanish out of it. But when you look at the, and I mean in your own experience, your own inner reality, that's not what's going on. Thoughts appear and then they recede. It's like, in a video game, Mario might die, but the dead Mario is made of the same pixels. And if he vanishes, the background that has replaced his body is the same pixels. It's all made of the same thing. And that was a point I wasn't planning on making. But we're glad but you maybe did. Maybe you're on a microdose of mushrooms and you're like, this guy's <laughs> really making sense. Wait, can I just say in response to that, like, what? <laughs> wait, you mean to say, wait, what? Wait, what? <laughs> No, I'm joking. I get it. I no, get it. I get it. I get it. Moshi Koshi, how long have I known you? All right. I, well. Okay. No, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm with what you're saying, and and I love what you're saying, especially not to take away from the Michael Jordan Mario, which we all knew you were going to do to close out, but that idea of <laughs> close strong of after sex, you're immediate, and it's it's a metaphor for deep, a deeper thing than just the sex, but that idea that you when you get to a height, you want. I relate to that as a sober person. Yeah. Like I can't get, get rid of this fucking nicotine because I know that if once it's gone, then I got nothing. There isn't anything left. Moshe was casing the UPS truck yesterday, waiting for him. his nicotine delivery. Yeah. And like I was like, why is he? Why is he leaving every door open in the house? He's like, did you hear a car? Did you hear a car? No, but all I, day long, I'm like, what's this guy after? I, and then our friends afterwards were like, oh yeah, Moshe got the delivery truck his his nicotine. But came. I know that it's because it's I'm down to one vice. And it's like once, oh, I'm the I, same way. once I give up the vice, then am I a viceless man? What am I actually? So I I, I, I relate to that, and I'm gonna try I'm gonna try to not based on this. 
I'm going to try to not check my email post-coitus with Natasha and everybody else I make love to. You can also just allow it, but maybe just extend. No, I like this idea. Before you do what it, what do you think, Tosh? You want to gaze into each other's eyes? Can I tell you something? I had a, a, a little revelation about addiction because I'm an addict as well. Alcohol and drugs, including coffee, including nicotine, are the only things that give me as much attention as I want everything to give me. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. So drugs are like, say this might be good, this might be bad. But I'm not ignoring you. It's on demand and it will happen and it's predictable. It's a guaranteed experience. Yeah. Mm. It's not a guaranteed good experience. Totally. Totally. And I, I use nicotine and I use ca- caffeine, but I use that as a gracious concession to my animal and just go like, meaning there's a healthy way to separate. And, and like we were saying at the beginning, having a healthy understanding of your needs. I, I picture my ego as Daniel Plainview. And I'm like, he's okay. He also protects me. He's there when I need to find my way through an airport. He's there when I'm scared. And I can't just be happy when he's like, you don't talk to me that way or whatever it is. And he shows up and I need him. You don't, you don't scare your ego away or your animal. And I just mean your mammal self. You can, you can just acknowledge and, and be conscious of what you're doing. Ramdas used to say that too. He's like, do what you're doing. That's what uh, St. Augustine, I think he said, love God and do whatever you want. Mm. And I, I find that to be very valuable. It's hard to, you can't start there. That's not a lesson you give a child. But after you've kind of gone through the arc a little bit, you can go like, it's not about aestheticism or like denying. I love Moshe waiting for the UPS truck. You know what I mean? See? It's I find, a charitable view. No, no, no. But I, it's cute. I find, what use are you to me and to everyone listening if you're just floating off the pillow you know what i mean it's not that's not everybody's calling the you that's waiting for the ups is the me that this this and this that i have to chase and when we can it's like going so close to it and loving it pete loves i'm chewing nicotine gum right now i love those types of games okay yeah it makes me feel good it's a guaranteed experience yeah and it's not a bottle of vodka you're lucky i mean yeah you can still like parent very wonderfully yeah. on nine right. nicotine yeah. gums. Yeah. Right. Gets me right on no, her level. And <laughs> Natasha, we all have our nicotine. Like Natasha's is fentanyl. And that's like her thing. And it's, it's funny that you say that, but we all do have our nicotine. Sure, and if do. you look at interpersonal nicotines, and uh, what I'm saying is it's what's happening. Everyone's going for little hits. Am I being caring and loving and kind to you? Or are you being caring and loving and kind to me? That's another game. And it's okay. At a certain point, you just go, it's what's on the menu. It's what's on the menu. And, and you kind of wilt to that. Don't beat yourself up. And you don't identify with it. You I are not your thing. I mean, I've been getting off on this lately. It's like, show me your life. You say you have a life, show it to me. Right now, it's just this. We drag the past with us like Santa's bag of toys, this huge fucking thing. It's just a story. And I know that's like a cliche, but it is. Show me your life. You can tell me you are life, but you don't have a life, right? You're alive, but your life is, is just this thing you could lay out for me. Show me this room. Show me your life. I will show you my life tonight, and then I will not <laughs> check my email afterwards. <laughs> nice. Pete the Holmes. Peteness. Pete, Pete we Holmes, love you. The Peteness himself. Check out Pete's Netflix special. It is out now. I am not for everyone, which is kind of ironic because you kind of are for everyone. You're oh, so you're sweet. kind of being like, okay. I am not for everyone. <laughs> Pete Holmes, Netflix. Check it out.